Welcome to Failing Forward. Can you please introduce yourself for our audience today? Thank you very much. My name is Dorothy Aseo, and I work as a senior program manager um, uh, in uh, Care Kenya, and also I'm the gender focal lead for the country office. And why is it important for us to talk about failure? Uh, failure is important to be reflected upon because it provides us with an opportunity to be able to see what has worked, what has not worked, and not just looking at what has not worked, but carrying out lessons that uh, will go with us into the next planning, the next uh, coordination, and even the next designs that we do have. I believe as CARE, we are very, very keen at not only looking at the successes, but also the failure that brings lessons, deepens our understanding of certain topical areas or even thematic areas and aspects we do in programming. Tell us a little bit about the context of the example you're gonna be talking about today. The example that I'm going to talk about today is uh, when uh, we were able to pick up innovation, trying to address the issue of uh, water uh, systems and uh, how that is able to be uh, innovatively uh, availed to women and um, communities, vulnerable communities in our rangelands, programming, and also in our ASAL areas where we do a lot of water systems investments. So we were looking at how are we able to move our water systems to be able to be sustainable and also innovatively work with available technologies so that we could make water more available for different uses, both domestic and also farming support services in regard to the community needs that we were working with in Kenya. And you talked about innovative technologies. Were there specific technologies you were working with? Yes, we were working at uh, solarization of our, our water systems. And here we wanted to see how best are we able to push the, the sustainability uh, component of our water uh, systems and infrastructure development in Kenya. And how this actually was to bring in the component of usability in terms of access, in terms of ownership, and also in terms of control. Therefore, these are aspects that we were looking at to be able to ensure that once we are supporting communities and uh, working in partnership with them uh, and other stakeholders to be able to bring the services, especially water services, closer to them, affordably to them, and also to be able to address other aspects that were coming in in terms of sustainability and also uh, addressing the green gas emission uh, component because we just didn't want to continue doing the traditional water systems that use a lot of uh, generators, gensets that consume a lot of fuel, and yet the regions we are working in actually are really blessed with the solar energy that we could tap to improve our water systems and infrastructure. What went wrong? That sounds like a really promising idea. This actually um, was uh, part of the analysis that we were doing at, um, at the end of the project. And we did a gender analysis that uh, was to inform the phase two of uh, the project and also investments that were coming in in water systems 
looking at areas that we do peg our work in terms of agency relations and also uh, transforming structures according to how we do engender our uh, our work within the water systems management we were able to realize that um, there were certain shifts that happened in terms of how we were working with the communities and how they were affecting components around the agency, components around relations and structures. So here is what actually transpired. When we were putting up those particular investments, especially the solarization of our boreholes and also provision of um, water through uh, infrastructure that had now gone through uh, modifications and use of the solar uh, energy and power, we were able to see women actually uh, somehow being uh, left out in terms of uh, ownership of those particular uh, those particular um, water boreholes and even control over whatever resources were happening there because now men came in because it became more commercially viable and a lot of investments had been done there so that increase of investment utilization of those particular uh, water uh, investments that had been done in communities somehow pushed women out of um, the system and uh, now they started struggling around issues to do with control and ownership because these were even more stronger assets within these communities. The capital that they had actually been invested in, whatever they were attracting, meant that men now became at the center of the control and women now became marginalized in terms of decision-making, in terms of even control, and even ownership became a problem. So. That is one of the areas that we realized that, yes, we were able to adopt a very good technology use of actually solarization of water systems and infrastructure. But there are other elements that came in because of that shift of that technology in terms of how it was affecting the relations, it was affecting the agency and also the structures that the women were navigating in, in terms of that systems development for that particular resource availing to our communities. Also issues to do with even the capacity uh, to handle those particular water infrastructure and system. It meant a lot of training, a lot of um, um, a support technically in terms of handling those particular panels, how those actually are able to be fixed up and all that. Women did not have that capacity while men actually were able to go ahead, get trained, and also support in terms of just being ahead in regard to how all that is able to be fitted in in the context of their access to that water resource. That meant that the agency of women was left behind in terms of how they could tap into that, and it ultimately affected the utilization of this particular resource to the women, especially those who were able to still be part and parcel of the communities that wanted to actually uh, support water uh, to use user in the user committees and also water use within the communities that we had done. Lastly, also we looked at how this had um, affected the relationships that were 
coming in in terms of just um, community relations. And we found that more men were coming in now in terms of businesses that were trickling out of this particular investment, like um, distribution of water through trucks, through um, other means like uh, motor, motorcycles. And this is something that uh, women were not well equipped with. And actually, it now affected the relations that were being brought in terms of water use, which which initially was a confine of women to look for water, do everything that actually comes in when it when 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 it pertains use of water resources in that community. So looking back and reflecting back, that was a very good investment. But there were also strains that came in because of that, in terms of agency, in terms of relations, and also in terms of transforming the institutions and the structures around even norms and uh, relations and even uh, aspects around uh, um, uh, dynamics in terms of how the households were able to benefit from that. But softening of gender roles also came in because men were able to really uh, take also a, a, a provision of water resources within their households. So those are the lessons that I would uh, like to reflect upon and also highlight on how solarization of um, water infrastructure and uh, investment within the rangelands um, uh, environment in Kenya were able to shift some of the uh, gender dynamics and how they affected and what we learned before we could uh, incorporate the phase two. Uh, moving forward for that project. How did you realize that there was a problem? What helped you see that something wasn't working? There were triggers. One, the level of participation of women in the committees that were looking after this particular project. For example, the water user committees, the investments committees, and also some of those conflict resolution. Because we were doing also a blend on um, resource uh, management and uh, conflict uh, sensitive programming around this particular uh, process. So when we saw there was a dwindling um, participation of women, it triggered uh, to us that um, why are there lesser and lesser women either in leadership and even meaningful participation. That is when we realized men were coming out very stronger because these projects were already attracting a lot of social capital, a lot of um, economic uh, viability, and also the resources that were coming in, as I mentioned earlier, the money that, uh, that they were collecting when they were distributing or selling the water to other users within those community. So some of what you've described is, are things like once the business became profitable, then men were interested and they took it over. They weren't doing it before it was profitable, but once it was, then they took over. Men had more training on technical repair, that kind of work. So it was seen as sort of being men's province because they had those skills. What were the impacts of that once men took over those businesses what did that do to the community? Good question. One is that um, access to the resources that were coming out of that infrastructure actually meant that a lot of that resource is uh, um, within the control of men 
who were still ahead in terms of decision making on water infrastructure in that community. So it affected how we were able to now align the issues of uh, power um, analysis and participation of um, communities into those uh, uh, infrastructure developments and how that translates even in the issue of leadership within the community around water investments. Therefore, this meant that um, we have to uh, change how we are able to align our committees in terms of who will be able to be part and parcel of those communities, the capacity strengthening of those community members in terms of uh, how they will be able to also appreciate the fact that we've been able to shift certain dynamics through the infrastructure improvement and how that translates to ownership access and control of resources. And especially the money that was coming out of the water being sold or being um, uh, distributed to the community. Secondly, we were able also to uh, align women because um, now it meant that uh, we need to improve the agency of women within those communities to be at par in terms of what such kind of community projects demanded in line with the technical capacity and also the leadership capacity to be able to be uh, fit for purpose in terms of how they would plug in to support. Therefore, more trainings were allocated in terms of capacity development, both technically and also leadership. Therefore, women benefited also further in terms of how to improve their agency and how this aligned even in the constitution and formation of leadership structures for these particular water investments that were being done. Last but not least, also there were um, um, appreciation that, um, yes, we do have those changes, but they are changes that would also benefit the other subsets, like the young people, because young people were not really interested in water uh, investments within those communities. So we were able to also bring them on board and help them understand that this is an area that they would be able to grow themselves in terms of even their technical capacity and also leadership as they gear forward to support their communities. If you could start over again from the beginning, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? First of all, do a very in-depth analysis of how any innovation would affect the community in terms of both positive and negative and use both lenses to be able to develop a very comprehensive program that will also cater for the areas that we feel might come in as unintended consequences. This actually even broadens how we are able to do our programming and adds in a lot of depth in terms of our intervention and also just talk to the communities and find out these are areas we feel will come out as effects or impacts that actually you will be able to be feel as you go on. What are some of the areas that you feel we can still program around and provide you support and also you bring in whatever aspects you feel from your own communities are able to improve our work together. And this is not only on water 
investments, but we are looking at some of those strained resources, especially in rangelands, and how such improvements are able to spur also other, other areas of interest within the community because these resources were scarce, but they've been able to be improved and be made more available and also be able to be more lucrative in terms of even harnessing the financial economic resources that come with them. So how will that be able to be replicated in a way that the communities are able to know any areas that they would feel need to be corrected, when, how, and their participation in that, and how that depends our programming. And how are you using what you learn? We are using what we learned in terms of redesigning the work that we did for phase two of this particular project, because we have been able to invest more in um, structures that are able to support agency building among women and um, other marginalized groups. We've been very cognizant of um, some of those shifts and we've been able to put in even measurements that are able to help us uh, detect very early the shifting because we didn't have clear like indicators that could help us to really measure the shifts that are happening and how we could tap on those ones to even invest in our adaptive management. So those lessons have been able to help us improve even our measurement, invest more in terms of negotiation with private sector because we were not, we, we had brought on board private sector partnership that were the ones who are handling innovations, that the ones who are bringing in the panels, they were the ones who are bringing in the technology. Now we are bringing them on board from the word go and asking them, how are these innovations able to also have a gendered lens when it comes to them being utilized by these particular communities? Because it's not just introducing something, and not knowing how that particular innovation or investments in technology will be able to spur that change within these communities. And how is it even taken care of by the people who support us to bring them on board? And especially for us in this instance, it was the private sector. So the private sector has been involved very, very closely and looked in from the onset on how they can also be thinking through their innovations and technology and how that improves even the ultimate products they bring for us to work with and also partner with our community. And um, we've also used the lessons to be able to encourage a lot of reflection and not shy away from pointing out that this is working, this is not working, because sometimes it is left until the tail end. So we were able to appreciate the fact that this is what happened previously. We left it until the tail end is when we were now looking at some of those um, um, areas that we felt had not really worked out very well or were really shifting and we were not recognizing that in good time. So reflection has been embedded in part and parcel of the work that we are doing together as a partnership and using the lessons that are coming in to continue adapting our work and 
recognizing the contextual shifts that are beneficial to the overall uh, implementation and rollout of the projects that we are doing. And if you had to recommend one action to other people who do similar work to you based on this experience, what would that action be? I would recommend that uh, we do inclusive um, um, reflection because that means that we are able to recognize what each and every player or partner or stakeholder is able to notice, align with, and also recommend. Here I'm looking at projects that are being delivered together with communities, the private sector, the government, and also development partners like CARE. If we had an opportunity to really invest a lot in that inclusive reflection, then the private sector from the word go will know that as much as we are doing this solarization, we need to provide technology or panels that are easy to work with, that do not have complexity in terms of maintenance, and they can be able to be managed well by whichever um, subset or group that we are working with, bearing in mind that also the technical capacity and gap skills are an issue with the communities where we want to benefit from all this. Looking back at the community, we also look at that inclusive reflection as an area that would spur a lot of conversations and for them to flag out, not just to be recipients, but also active participants in terms of what is working, what should we be able to adjust and just enriching that conversation around our adaptive management in terms of our project. Then looking at care, how do we, in how do we utilize that inclusive reflection also to negotiate even for changes that will be able to be anticipated, you incorporate those ones even in the design, even in the resources that we are looking for, even in the grants agreements that we are putting across so that the, the, the donors and any other parties that are involved in even providing resources and support, they know that these are things that we are able to anticipate. We will be having the uh, uh, inclusive reflections that we will be able to be utilized across and be meant to improve and also realign the work according to the contextual dynamics and shifts that are happening. So it is a win-win process and also an enriching in terms of the depth of the work that we do across the partnerships. What made it possible for you to adapt once you realized it wasn't working the way you intended? Yes, one was the uh, flexibility by the uh, community to um, align or uh, appreciate the changes that had happened. So having a community that um, is cognizant of the shifts that are happening and how that will be of help even further in the investments that are being done together with them. Then uh, secondly, it was um, um, at that stage whereby we were going into phase two. So transitioning of this particular project into phase two provided a very good opportunity to be able to incorporate the changes that we felt phase one did not hit very strongly. So that also meant that um, the design benefited a lot from that shift and reflection. So 
those that opportunity of moving from one face of the project to the other and being able to reflect and do an analysis just before we can be able to do the design, fully the design, and now the, the entire phase two of that project provided that very good uh, room or latitude to be able to um, influence or even like support the, 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 the desired um, lessons that were to be done in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the design of that particular project and also influence the budgeting and which partners to bring on board because also that really led to changes in the partnerships because we are also able to analyze partners who are willing to incorporate a lot of the lessons, especially on the gendered dynamics around the technology and innovation and how that would affect even the products they will bring, which is an area that um, is a bit sensitive in terms of, of course, the market and um, what some of the private uh, partners, private sector partners look at when it comes to churning out products in within the uh, target communities that they would love to work with. That's a fascinating recommendation about having to pick the right partners. What were you looking for when you were looking for partners that would support this agenda? We looked at uh, partners that, um, one, they were willing to sit and uh, were willing to be part of the conversation and the journey. It was not just we have partners who will bring in their product, who will be doing this particular technical support or plugging in this particular piece of work, but rather partners who are willing to walk the journey, being alive to the fact that there are certain changes that will happen and these changes might even affect the product or the capacity support they're bringing to us for this particular project. Therefore, this went back to them and they were able to assess, are they willing to go that far and come up with all those other support needs that would completely maybe change even their own ways of working and even the products that they are either bringing on board. So that meant it is not just about the numbers in terms of partnership. It's not just uh, uh, coming on board with one already set up way of working within this particular consortium, but rather the changes that will come in will also define how you as a partner will engage with us your willingness also to support all these reflections that do come with this type and nature of work will count. And also we trimmed down the number of partnerships because there were duplications in terms of what we required. And that meant that during those reflections and commitments that we saw need to come in, then we were to also scale down and be very targetful on who we are working with under either the county governments, either the private sector, research and development, and also the other implementing partners, and also the communities that we were to work with within phase two as a buildup of what we had learned in phase one. So much for your time today. And to our audience, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next Failing Forward.